in a 5 nothing loss against a team that six days ago you ran out of their building, they decided to run you out of your building on Sunday, who would have thought that that wouldn't be the worst loss of the night for the Vegas Golden Knights? We'll touch on that in a little bit. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Golden Knights, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It is Monday, December 9th, 2019. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com and site manager for SB Nation's Knights on Ice. If this is the first time you are listening to this podcast, I welcome you. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you may get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. And you can also send an email, if you're into that sort of thing, to LockdownGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So last night was fun, wasn't it? I mean, we're... <laughs> I mean, where do we even begin? Uh, the fact that the Golden Knights dominated that game for about the first, really the entire first period, they outshot the New York Rangers 17-7 to and then went ahead to get completely lambasted by Alexander Georgiev and the New York Rangers by a final count of 5 to nothing for the Golden Knights' second consecutive loss, but their first loss, or first loss without a point, really, in six games. So... Normally, we would be spending all this time talking about how that ha- how badly the Golden Knights played, how losing five to nothing at home is another bit of a problem with this team playing a game at home. We could literally find any and all reason to dissect this game, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do that today. Because right now, the Vegas Golden Knights are dealing with another loss, one far bigger than losing 5 to nothing last night. And I'm talking about Cody Glass. Cody Glass got elbowed into the head by uh, Brendan Lemieux in the second period, late in the second period, uh, last night's game. I think Vegas was already down 3 nothing to this point. Maybe it was 4 nothing. And then Cody Glass retrieves the puck along the boards. Brendan Lemieux goes for a hip check. He does a full 180, lands the elbow right in Cody Glass's head. And the 20-year-old rookie is lying on the ice for multiple minutes. He had to be helped off the ice by Mark Stone and Jonathan Marchessault, and then he had to get more assistance to get to the locker room. This is going to be a very interesting test of the Golden Knights' depth at center coming up. Now, they play on Tuesday against the Chicago Blackhawks. I would be shocked as all hell, unless Cody Glass took some sort of potion from Madame Pomfrey that would completely omit his uh, potential concussion. I would be shocked if he didn't have a concussion, honestly. Um, But I would also be shocked if Cody Glass played on Tuesday. So here's the situation if you're the Golden Knights. You're already down Cody Eakin, probably for another week or so due to his, his head injury that he sustained, I believe, against Arizona. It feels so long ago. And now you are down the center who replaced Cody Eakin on the third line and who's definitely more valuable than Cody Eakin to this point. Um, Not fun. Not fun right now. Uh, I would highly expect that that Nicholas Waugh gets called up from AHL Chicago within the next few hours. Right now we're recording at 6.16 a.m. on Monday, so... 
I would fully expect Nick Waugh to be called up from NHL Chicago to potentially take the role of uh, one Cody Glass for the game on Tuesday. Uh, We'll find out more later today what the status is of Glass going down the road. Um, But obviously, not good. And and I'm not going to use this space today to talk about whether it was a dirty hit by Brendan Lemieux or it wasn't. I'm not going to sit here and waste five more minutes of your guys' time trying to decipher whether it was a dirty hit or not. Um, I, I will leave that up to Twitter.com for my mentions and through even through the KOI mentions uh, last night. Um, a lot of people... It, here's the thing I found out. When it comes to evaluating what is a hit and what is a dirty hit, this is the worst sport to figure out if it's dirty or not. But between all four of the professional, major professional leagues, the NHL is the absolute worst when it comes to figure out what is a dirty hit and what is not. Because there will be a fan base fired up if Lemieux isn't even fined for this. There will be a fan base fired up if he is fined or he is suspended for it. It really makes no sense trying to argue whether a hit is dirty or not. And quite frankly, I really don't have the energy to go ahead and decipher whether I think a man doing a spinning elbow on an ice hockey rink is determined to be a dirty hit or not. Like, it just doesn't make sense to waste my breath when, one, you have fan bases who are so divisive and will call you any name. They feel like it because they think that you're siding one way or the other. I'm not siding one way or the other. But then there are the others that you just don't want to get into it with the Department of Player Safety because it just makes no sense to even decipher what in the world is dirty or not. So I'm not even going to get into that. But I will say this, from the Golden Knights' perspective, you go into this game against the Rangers. You knew that they were going to be motivated to play a much better game than they did on Monday. On Monday, you go into Madison Square Garden and you beat the Rangers 4-1. to one. All of a sudden, it starts this, what, this four-game winning streak that you're on or it continues this four-game winning streak that you're on and you're playing good hockey. The, the Rangers ran into a buzzsaw that was the Golden Knights and really... The Golden Knights ran into a buzzsaw that was their goaltender who pitched a 38-save shutout. Like, it's crazy that we're talking about this game and it's not even the biggest story of the night. It, it really is crazy that I watched this game and I'm like, well, it happened. The Golden Knights dominated for about the entire first period. Second and third period, they just ran out of gas to even try and come back from a two-goal deficit, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, and Gerard Galland even kind of attested to it yes- yesterday after the game. When talking about, you know, teams come back from two goal deficits all the time. They come back from three one deficits all the time, and it's almost crazy to think that the Golden Knights are inept at being able to come back from these two nothing three one deficits that they find themselves in, and that they found themselves in for the majority of the season to this point. So, it it, it is weird that you dominate for an entire what, first 10 minutes of the game, you had an 8-2 edge in shots, and all of a sudden it takes one shot from Artemi Panarin, and all of a sudden the the uh, the air is let out of T-Mobile Arena. And then 14 seconds later, you give up a goal at the other end, and it's 2 nothing, and all of a sudden, well, it's over. I mean, I've, I feel like this is the norm that we've come to expect from the Golden Knights to this point, but, I mean, what more can you honestly do? I mean, they hit three posts, I believe, in the first 30 minutes of the game. Uh, and they just ran into a really good goaltender who's won three of his last four starts. So 
I, I'm chalking this up as to it happened. You knew that they were going to come out and play much better than they did on Monday. And that's that. Now the Golden Knights have to shift focus to playing the Chicago Blackhawks on Tuesday, which we will kind of analyze more tomorrow. Um, but obviously, before you go on this back-to-back road trip against St. Louis and Dallas, you need to get this victory over the Blackhawks. And I think that's going to be a very important game considering what you see at the uh, at the tail end of this uh, schedule heading into next Sunday when they take on the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, a relatively important stretch coming up for the Golden Knights. So it probably is, I'd like to think it was a one-off situation, but I guess uh, I guess we'll see how it goes. Uh, right now, it's right now the the more important thing is that your twenty year old prized rookie slash prospect, whatever you want to call him, uh, could be out for a long period of time. And I am now convinced that that third line is the most cursed third line in all of hockey history, because there is absolutely no way that a third line like this should be dealing with as many injuries as it has. But alas, we are we we have officially reached that point. So obviously, you guys know, uh, did not get to a podcast on Friday, had a lot of uh, things coming up that really made it a busy Friday, so couldn't really get to it when I needed to or when I wanted to, so I apologize for that. But I, but I figured, even though some of these questions might be a little old, we are going to bring back the mailbag for today. Mailbag Monday. It, will, you, it works. Mailbag Monday works for today. So thank you to everybody who sent in your questions. We got a couple of good ones here. Had a couple of good ones also on Facebook that I do appreciate you all sending in. And uh, we will get right to these uh, rather interesting questions. First one comes from Kyle Rock on Twitter. How does the new third line compare to the old third line? Which now, looking back on this, I probably should have done this mailbag on Friday, considering now the third line is in complete shambles. Um, but I will stick to what the third line looked like last night which was, to, at the start, Cody Glass centering with Chandler Stevenson on the left and Alex Tuck on the right. I think that line, when healthy, is going to be a very dangerous line for multitude of reasons. One, I think Tuck's forechecking, obviously, is a huge factor. Two, you have Glass playing his natural center position, which I think is obviously of the utmost paramount. But you add in a guy like Stevenson, who is very fast. We've we've seen his speed on display in the, in the three games that he's played. <clears throat> he's a guy who plays well in the defensive zone. He's someone that you can rely on the penalty kill, which I know doesn't pertain to the line, but at least you know how good he is in the defensive zone. And his forechecking and his speed, I think, would complement Tuck very well. And I think it would open up and it open it opens up the ice for Glass to be a playmaker. Now, when Will Carrier was on that line, it was kind of the same way, but it wasn't uh it wasn't what you were expecting offensively. It wasn't what you were anticipating in the offensive way, just because as my phone goes off, because of course it does. Um so I look at it from the standpoint of Stevenson's speed and I think his ability to score, even though he doesn't score a lot. um, I think that is a huge compliment to glass and to tuck. And now we're at the point where glass might be out for a while and you got to 
slow it down a little bit with Nick Waugh. And if Nick Waugh is the guy that does center that line, I think you're in still you're you're still in pretty good shape. Waugh isn't an all blazing speed playmaker that he's known that you know Cody Glass is known for. But at least with Nick Waugh, you have a guy who is patient and you have a guy who can make passes and do things very well. I mean, you want someone as your stopgap for a little bit. I think that's a perfect stopgap to have. So we'll see in the coming days um, how this looks. But I I would anticipate that this third line is going to be good. Now, what happens when Cody Eakin comes back, along with Cody Glass coming back, I have absolutely no idea. Because the third line is just... The third island has become the island of misfit toys that nobody wants to touch. And I really have no idea what is going to, I don't don't know what's going to happen with that third line when everybody gets healthy. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, Now we go to Greg on Twitter who asks, what defender could we trade Eakin for? Um, Well, if you're trading Cody Eakin for a defenseman, I don't think you're going to get a quality defenseman because I think Cody Eakin's trade value is, is officially shot. Um, one, because he's hurt. Two, he's nowhere close to being the player that he was last year. The best time and the best chance to get anything out of Cody Eakin would have been last offseason. You would have been able to shed the $3.85 million. You would have been able to get out of that contract. Your 20-year-old prospect would have been able to slide right on into the third-line center role. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Alas, that's not how things work in VGK land, so they are literally stuck either with Eakin for the rest of the year or they're not going to get as good of a player back as they would anticipate. Now, if they were to go into the trade deadline on February 24th and try and trade for a defenseman, I think even while slowly accruing this cap space that they are slowly trying to get, with each passing day that they send down these players to the AHL and they call up and whatnot. I think you're going to have to include Cody Eakin in there. The only problem with that is, is you're going to have to include more sweeteners on your end, which the Golden Knights have done the last two deadlines. Now, obviously one of those deals, you obviously have to add a sweetener in like an Eric Brandstrom to get a Mark Stone back. Do you throw in a first, second, and third round pick once again along with Cody Eakin and get someone that would eventually have the value of a Tomas Tatar? I don't know. I I honestly don't know what you can possibly do there. Um, If it were up to me, if I could get a defenseman, I, I look at the guys that I've been... I've been seeing floating around the trade rumors. Marco Scandella is one of them. Um, there's, there's been talk lately about Shane Gossespierre. I don't know how likely that is, especially since he still has control for the next three years. Uh, I think cap is like $4.5 million, So at least if you were to somehow land Gossespierre, if you threw in Eakin, you, you would obviously have to throw in a whole bunch of sweeteners to make Philly go, okay, take this, this, and this, and this. I don't know how many draft picks that would take. I don't know how many prospects that would take. Um, but if it's going to, if it's going to involve Cody Eakin in any sense, the Golden Knights are going to have to up the, uh, up the bounty and what they're getting, what they're giving up. 
it just doesn't make any sense right now to think that the Golden Knights can get any value in return for Cody Eakin just because he's an expiring contract. I don't think expiring contracts work as valuably as they would, say, in the NBA or they would in the NFL. I don't think that they work as as great as they would uh, in the NHL. So to say that we can that the Golden Knights can get something for Cody Eakin, like a, a top defenseman, which was going to be their target going into next season or go, going into the trade deadline, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I really do not see it happening. Um, but who knows? I've been shocked before. I mean, we're again two years ago. We're talking about Eric Carlson being minutes away from being a Vegas Golden Knights defenseman, and then so it turns into Tomas Tatar out of a desperation move, giving up a first, second, and third round pick. So, I mean, I've been shocked before, is what I'm saying. Uh, funny question here, but I'll I'll answer it anyway, just because uh, just because I feel like Justin would have would want to know some of this input. Uh, Justin Emerson from the Las Vegas Sun asks, who is the third best goalie in Golden Knights history? That is a very good question. Uh, well, obviously we know who the top two are. <laughs> um, I have a deep, profound appreciation for Dylan Ferguson, and I think if any time you can make a save on Connor McDavid, you have a, uh, you have a, you have a spot in my heart in, in, uh, in my book. So I'm going to say Dylan Ferguson right now is the third best goalie in Golden Knights history. Actually, no. No, we should we should we should be fair. It is Max Legacy. It, it is Max Legacy that the, his performance in year one to keep this team afloat uh, while they were going through all their injuries. Um, I think it is Flurry Subban Legacy, which, by the way, he's in Boston now, so that that tells you a lot <laughs> um, of what the Golden Knights think of their third best goalie of all time because it definitely ain't Oscar Dansk anymore. Uh, Dylan Ferguson may eventually get to that point. Um, he's been playing pretty solidly at last I checked in Fort Wayne and in Chicago and his short stints that he's had with the wolves. Um, I, I like, I like Dylan Ferguson. I think he has the potential to be eventually a, a backup in the NHL. If he can just continue to improve, I think it, he shows flashes as the time goes on that he can be a pretty solid goaltender. Um, but I think right now <laughs> we're actually doing a ranking of the three best goalies. Um, it would be Flurry, Subban, Max Legacy. RIP to Max Legacy's Golden Knights career. Uh, so now some Facebook questions that uh, <laughs> that uh, wanted to remain anonymous, but uh, to to the credit of those who sent them in, they have nothing to absolutely do with hockey, which I do appreciate at this current point in time. Uh, so one, one question is what do I think of the Mandalorian so far as we are now five episodes in? I love the Mandalorian. I think it is a wonderful show. I think it is a very interesting show. I'm very curious as to how the plot is going to evolve over the next few episodes. I'm curious what the role of Baby Yoda is. I'm very curious as to what the goal of this Mandalorian is now that he really is no longer part of the of the guild. Um, and I want to know who the hell is stalking him because I don't think it's the guy that we all think it is. 
I think it's somebody else. And I wonder if it's somebody prominent. Somebody that we all know in the Star Wars realm. Because they wouldn't keep this person hidden if it, if it weren't for the fact that they wanted to, us to really be invested as to who is trying to follow the man, follow Mando. Can, can I call him Mando? Because I feel like if I call him Mando, I'm going to call him Lando at some point. You know what I mean? Um, I'm very intrigued by The Mandalorian. I am very intrigued by this show. And I do think that it has some elements to where... Um, it does, it does have some elements to where it's keeping me intrigued as we get into the later part of this first season. So I, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of The Mandalorian. Um, another question on Facebook. Has Luka Doncic gotten you completely away from the Cowboys' mediocrity? Yes, it has. Um, and I saw this tweet the other day um, from somebody in Dallas that... Um, it said, thank God that Luka Doncic is the only person ever in the history of Dallas-Fort Worth sports that has been able to completely divulge us away from the Cowboys. And it really has become the my saving grace when it comes to early December sports because I really have just grown tired of the Cowboys. <laughs> and I've grown tired of the fact that Jason Garrett is still coaching this team. And I've grown tired of the fact that here we are, the Cowboys at six and seven, and they still have a chance to win the NFC East. I'm, I'm just tired. So yes, Luka Doncic has definitely uh, swayed my interest away from the Cowboys. And it probably will continue even until the playoffs if they do win the division, because I, because the fact of the matter is this, the Cowboys are going to win the NFC East probably by attrition. And then they're going to have to play the Seahawks or the 49ers in the first round. Why in the world would I want to put myself through that? Why would anybody want to put themselves through that? Unless you think that the Cowboys are going to turn into the Seahawks from like, well, when was the Marshawn Lynch's run? Like 2009, 2010, 2011, whichever it was. Unless you think the Cowboys probably at 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight are going to turn into that, why in the world am I going to... Why in the world am I going to sit myself through that? Why would I even bother with that? It just it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so thank God for Luka Doncic. Uh, and I was watching this. This is the beauty of um, this is the beauty of having my game story done by uh, the second period last night. I literally spent the entirety of the game last night with the Mavs Kings game on, and I. The Mavs were down 24, and I kept telling myself, okay, I'm done watching. I'm done watching. And then all of a sudden, they cut it to two. And I'm like, they're really about to pull this crap off. And Adam Hill and Willie Ramirez are are sitting to my sides. And Adam tweeted about how it was funny that I'm watching the game while covering a VGK game. And it, it, it it's just what it is. I mean, the Mavericks, are they've brought back the excitement that I've been hoping for. And hopefully this continues deep into the uh, – Deep into the uh, deep into the season, I'm I'm hoping for a playoff run at least for the Mavs at this point. Uh, another question uh, via the Facebook: Do you plan on giving a full fledged review of the Rise of Skywalker uh, when it comes out? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Um, I believe that. I will probably spend a good 15, 20 minutes on it on the rise of Skywalker at some point. Um, 
I'm hoping, um, without giving too much away, I am hoping that I will have a guest to do that with. That's all I will say about that. But if I do bring on a guest to do this for a full-fledged review of The Rise of Skywalker, um, it probably will not be until the new year. So I'm just putting it out there. I'm probably going to have a guest to talk about this at some point. But it probably will not be until the new year. That is all I will say about that. So that's it for the questions, guys. Thank you very much for your patience, and thank you for your questions. We will uh, do more mailbag stuff on Friday. Um, We're probably going to, since I will be out of town uh, next, or this upcoming weekend, um, I'm probably going to pre-record the mailbag on Thursday um, and run it on Friday. So please feel free to send in your questions. Um for the mailbag on Friday, and and I will definitely get to those. Um, but yeah, I will be out of town. Coming, I'll be coming back on Monday, so Monday's episode might be a little bit disjointed, depending on how the schedule looks, depending on when I get back. Um, but we'll probably, but we'll probably definitely do a mailbag episode on Friday. Might be a little bit. It's going to be definitely scheduled prior to when I leave. So. It'll, it'll be a little weird, but please feel free to send your questions, is what I'm saying. It is definitely greatly appreciated. Uh, so before we get out of here, let's take a, a quick look around the league. I think I'm going to do this every day now. I, I like the idea of doing a, a final segment where we just take a look around the league. What happened the day before? And there were a lot of games that happened on Sunday, um, starting with the Jets getting a 3-2 win at home over the Ducks. Uh, the Jets are coming up... Uh, they're playing really good. The the Jets are starting to uh, really catch up to Colorado and St. Louis in the Central. The, the Central is finally becoming what we all expected the Central to be, uh, which is bad news for everybody else because the Stars are still good. They're one point behind Winnipeg for third place in the Central. Um, if, if Winnipeg gets going without Dustin Bufflin, I, I can only imagine, you know, where they're going to be. At some point, the, the Jets are starting to look really good. The Florida Panthers uh, continue to also be very solid. Um, second place in the Atlantic. They're probably not catching the Boston Bruins, um, but a 5-1 victory over the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks lose again. Uh, what is their... Uh, I can't remember. I think they've lost like two in a row now, and I think like four of their last five. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but the Florida Panthers still chugging along. They're they're finally playing well under uh, Joel Quenville and Sergei Bobrovsky is finally playing consistent goaltending. So uh, watch out for the Panthers. I'm not saying they're going to be a threat in the Eastern Conference, but they're going to be pretty dang solid. Uh, the Coyotes with a 4 3 shut uh, shootout victory over the Blackhawks. Uh, they score Blackhawks had a 3 1 lead in the first period. And then Arizona scored twice in the second period to eventually get into overtime, and they won in the shootout 4-3. to three. The Coyotes continue to be very good. They are tied now with Edmonton. Record for record, point for point, they are tied with the Edmonton Oilers atop the Pacific Division. The Golden Knights are obviously five points back. Both of those teams each playing 32 games. Uh, the Coyotes are good, my friends. 
Their goaltending is good. If they can get more scoring, which I saw, I what was it? I can't remember who made the report. Um, I, so I don't want to throw out any false names there, but I saw that the Devils are going to look to trade Taylor Hall before the roster freeze. And the one team that is, um, that could be in the mix for Taylor Hall is Arizona. If Arizona gets Taylor Hall, the Pacific just got a whole lot more interesting. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, the Sabres, 3-2 victory over the Oilers in overtime. They were up to nothing. The Oilers scored twice in the second, and then in overtime, former Golden Knight Colin Miller with his first goal as a Buffalo Sabre with the overtime winner. And the Sabres, if I get in sayings, they are actually only one point back of Florida for second place in the Atlantic. The Sabres are hanging around. They are hanging around the Atlantic right now. Uh, didn't think that was highly possible, but here we are. The Sabres had their stint where I was like, well, they're good. They're going to fall off at some point, and they keep on surviving. Their head is still above water, so the Sabres, um, they keep winning. They keep winning. I am here for a Florida-Buffalo playoff series, by the way. You know what? If the season ended right now, I believe it would be Florida and Buffalo in the first round. Can we get that, please? Just because I want to see the ratings. Not because I'm going to laugh at the ratings, but I just want to see the ratings in Sunrise, Florida, and I want to see the ratings in Buffalo. I think Buffalo would like triple Sunrise, Florida, which is very, very sad. But, God, yeah. You know what? Sign me up for a Florida-Buffalo playoff series. I'm here for that. I'm very much here for that. So those were all the games that were on the docket last night. Uh, Very light yeah, five games last night. Very light uh, slate in the NHL last night. So uh, we'll we'll start doing that a lot more. I think taking a look around the league and taking a look around the scores, I think it'd be something fun that we can do going forward. So we'll probably do that. We'll probably uh, wrap up each show going forward um, just by taking a look around the league. I think it'd be fun. Uh, so that is going to do it for us, guys. Again, thank you for your questions for the mailbag this week. Thank you for your patience uh, as I've been trying to find it, get back in the groove and try and, uh, you know, be more consistent. I, the whole, this whole last couple of weeks to throw me off with being sick and, you know, just everything else in between, it's just kind of thrown me off. So I'm slowly trying to get back in the groove. So I appreciate your patience. I appreciate you guys asking, uh, when the podcast is going up, how's the podcast going? I really appreciate that. And, uh, we will at some point, um, yeah, we'll, we will at some point, um, get back into a more consistent groove. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow's episode, we will break down the Chicago matchup coming up and then, uh, we'll figure out what else we're going from there. So thank you guys for listening. This has been locked on golden Knights, part of the locked on podcast network. I am Danny Webster, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.